0: Hey, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode one hundred and seventy-six. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear and it seems not a moment too soon.
1: Unlimited rice pudding, etc., cetera, et cetera. I am the Doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men
0: to light the flame. I'm the Doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom, Etc. I'm the Doctor. Do everything
1: I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions, and don't wander off.
0: How can you kid this? I don't like the color. Howdy, howdy, do, who fans. I hope you've all had a fantastic week and you've managed to do something Doctor Who related. Related. Fairly quiet this week. Yeah. A 176, not much kicking around.
1: Oh, <sighs> yes. Yeah.
0: what have you been up to though buddy
1: anything cool what have I been up to I have been on the search for the new Mr. Men books (laughs) I went out (laughs) shopping last Saturday and I wanted to get you know they've just released the sort of (laughs) the final four so you can go you know I'm a completist
0: of course yeah
1: of course so I saw that uh, Doctor 3 Doctor 5 Doctor 6 and Doctor who's the other one 10 (laughs) <laughs> Doctor Ten. So they've really finally sort of released them, and I thought, oh, they're out. They're on the Forbidden Planet website. Is in stock. I must go out and find them. And uh, I went everywhere, and I couldn't find them. <laughs> so I was a bit, I was a bit gutted because uh, I had to do the grocery shop last weekend, and the only way I could get through it was to think it's all right because before I do the grocery shop, I'm going to get the Dot Two books, and I'll be happy, <laughs> and uh, I can do the grocery shop and come home and be happy. But no, I didn't, didn't find them. So. I've no. had to come back and order them from our good friends at Forbidden Planet. They may even be arriving any time now. Actually, I got a little dispatch thing through saying that something's being delivered today. So must have they must have put them in with something else because they're they're not that expensive to warrant a. Eh? recorded delivery so they've obviously bunged a few things together which is quite exciting i like that i'm thinking what else have i ordered because i have been quite good lately i haven't been ordering a lot so they've probably thrown a few comics in there or something um so yeah <laughs> so they're on the way that's about anything i've been doing really i just was quite excited they'd finally been released um you you've, you've seen the covers for these only doctor six colin he's like a big pink round <laughs> i would i'd like to know what colin thinks of that yes. um got their hair down though <laughs> yeah, they got their head down. Yeah. But my friend my friend Ben, who's a massive, massive Six Doctor fan, I thought he'd hate it. As soon as I saw the cover, I thought, wait till Ben sees that. Ben Let. Ben Let yeah. and uh host productions. And um he loved it. He really <laughs> surprised me. was like I was like, uh Ben, have you have you seen the cover thinking he's gonna he's gonna go mad? And he was like, Yeah, I love it. It's brilliant. And I was like, Oh right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
0: I think a couple of these are are really good, and a couple of them are not hitting the mark. Still get them, but
1: yeah, yeah, I've got to complete the set. Yeah, the, the fifth Doctor one
0: looks more like a, 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 a one of the Mister and Lady. What are they what are they called the
1: Little Miss? Little Miss, yeah. Does, has he got a cricket bat or something? I yeah, can't he's remember got a little is,
0: cricket bat. It's more yeah. it's more the hairstyle and and the hat that makes. And also the third Doctor, I don't know what it is, but they've made him really really round he looks like a very fat John Pertwee
1: and you you, I haven't got the picture in front of me but as it it sounds like you have somebody said to me has he got a monocle
0: Mm, it's hard to say it looks like Ah. it yes it does someone was
1: saying why have they given the third doctor a monocle because he never wore a monocle that's the first doctor but um so I think it might have been our friend Adam ultimate who And I was thinking yeah I think you might be right and I I forgot to have a look at the cover. But uh, yes, if that is true, that's a, that's a definite um, mm. minus one point.
0: Yes, because <laughs> it, it, it comparing it to the picture of the first Doctor and the way yeah. that they've, they've designed the monocle for, for that figure, Yeah, it does look extremely similar. But oh, it's hard no. to say. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know if it's his cheekbone that they've just drawn in like a little... I don't know, but yeah, but it's, it's the size of the character that does it for me. Because if you look at the uh, characters like the Ninth Doctor, the Eighth Doctor and the Tenth Doctor and uh, and even the First Doctor to an extent, you know, they're quite slim looking uh, Mr. Men characters. Whereas for some reason, the Third Doctor looks like he's been on the old... Uh,
1: he looks like he's had a bit yeah. of... um.
0: <laughs> he's had a few months bender on the old curries and lager.
1: What is it? I, was, I was trying to think, well, I've always loved the line, I think it's in... <laughs> day of the Dalits. he asked for some gorgonzola cheese or something i was thinking yeah he's obviously had a few exactly. <laughs> he's, had a, he's had a bit of cheese and crackers and a few ports uh, i think that yeah i've got mm. the picture in front of me now that definitely looks like a monocle it does and a and a, it? and a and a bow tie well the bow tie can get away what's he holding though what's that what's well, that supposed to be not a sonic
0: well i assume it's a sonic yeah
1: looks like a very bizarre very bizarre. Anyway, I'll let I'll let you know when I've got the real thing in hand, uh when they turn up, when they're thrown over the wall by the postman in a minute. Um but apart from that I haven't been up to much, mate. Um the only other thing I got a little bit excited yesterday, um, because there was some some pictures posted, some filming yeah. pictures from Series eleven. Now, before anyone switches off, there's nothing spoilery, uh, really. <laughs> it was just pictures of like, you know, our our main cast that have all been announced and um <laughs> And we finally basically got a picture. We got to see the actual TARDIS prop because, yes. uh, you know, I've been quite excited to see that since we got the promotional shot of it because it it did look very different on that promotional shot. Um, mm. And I didn't, it didn't really, I didn't really like it. I'll be honest with you. I was like, what have they done to the TARDIS? Um, but it was a sort of an animated version, wasn't it? So now we've seen some filming pictures. Um, they were filming in Sheffield, weren't they? That's correct. Yeah, so we've actually got to see the the genuine, real prop um, mm-hmm. now. I I think I'm I think I'm starting to like it. Right. Um, yeah, I was going to say no, it's not. I don't think it's spoilery to say it, it's just darker, isn't it? It's a darker prop. The signage is a bit different. The pull to open signs uh, different. It, different. It's, yeah. The handles on the on the left, which I, I I think that's the one bit I really don't like. Like it's got a different <laughs> lamp. So and I think the light might be blue. It looks blue,
0: yeah.
1: So there's a few little minor alterations, but it does look really nice and chunky, and I I am liking the sort of more darker colour. It looks a bit more rustic and um, battered, so Mm. that's good. That's definitely good. I think it's just that pull-to-open sign I don't like, you know? It's just having the handle on the other side. It just sort of looks a bit messy somehow because you've got sort of two handles, Yeah. whereas they sort of used to be close together. Now they're spaced out, and I don't know. I think that's the only (laughs) bit that I haven't quite come round to because the rest of the prop I'm quite liking and I don't know about you mate, but there's a shot of um, Bradley coming out with the prop uh, Bradley Walsh Mm -hmm. and I don't know about you but I kept thinking I was trying to sort of I'd love to see what does it look like inside (laughs) I was thinking what is the inside going to be like and either they're not going to do because in the day in the David Tennant era and well since the new series come back they've always put like a back projection in the TARDIS prop of of the actual TARDIS interior now either they're not doing that this time around or nobody managed to get a photo of it because kept thinking surely somebody's managed to get a sneaky pic when they've opened the door of something inside to give us a clue uh but i haven't seen anything which is not a bad thing because that's one thing i'm i don't want spoiled actually
0: is the interior i think it depends on the shot though because if Mm. he's if he's coming out at a certain angle they don't really bother i think it's only when both doors are open and you've got a clear view Mm. And sometimes that's done in post-production.
1: Yeah, true, true.
0: Yeah, it does depend. It's all exciting, though.
1: It is exciting, yeah.
0: Yeah. I I quite like this TARDIS,
1: you know. You're liking it? Yeah,
0: I really like the shape. It's got, like you said, it's got a chunkier Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, uh, it's it's not the tall, thin, Mm -hmm. very royal blue-ish that we've been used to the last few years. Mm. The paint job's cool. It's got like this messy kind of dark paint on top of this lighter blue makes it really dark and grungy almost i like it yeah i'm not sure about the lamp but yeah
1: yeah i'm not too sure about the lamp as i said the lamp and the door the pull to open door they're the two Mm. bits i'm just not too sure about but i like you like like the actual overall style of it um also really nice to see like my my whole twitter feed pretty much yesterday was filled with pictures of people meeting jody um she obviously took a break during filming to come and meet the fans watching um and that was really nice to see her interacting so well with the fans and having loads of selfies and stuff and i know when she did a a, a recent appearance at radio one there was you know there was some youtube footage uploaded of all the dealers ruining it and it, it got mm. a bit nasty and was a very pleasant experience for jody and i think people were worried that might have put her off you know being so interactive with fans so it's really nice to see yesterday that it was all uh, apparently a very good you know um experience everybody was patient took mm-hmm. their turns there was no dealers apparently pushing in and and going round and round 10 times to get lots of autographs pushing fans out of the way apparently there was none of that it was just a lot, you know people in Sheffield the fans went down to watch it being filmed the crew were apparently really good. The security were really good. So it's, it's just nice to see that there was a good experience yesterday after um, okay, what happened yeah. the last time at Radio 1. So Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah obviously I was very jealous. I was like, oh no, <laughs> we're how far is Sheffield? Can I get there? I was like, yeah. I'd love to have gone down and met them and watched that being filmed. But yeah, it's good.
0: Interesting that they've travelled up to Sheffield for that. Yeah. Because up until, I oh, know not every single time, but they've normally managed the, um, the location scouts and so on have managed to find pretty good locations in and around wales so Mm. interesting that they couldn't find anything there or it was just a a decision right from the beginning to broaden the locations a little bit but
1: yeah interesting i hope so mate because uh, um i i mean that's one thing i think we picked up on that we started noticing the same locations being redressed Mm. a lot of the time during the moffat era so i think it is good that they've moved and found somewhere else you know because cardiff did a great job of, of providing many locations quite a lot of the time doubling for london mm-hmm. uh, and it worked very well but i think we were starting to see like the same streets and sometimes the same interior i always think of that marble room i don't know what building it is but that marble set so it's in the the end of the world you know the ninth doctor story with uh, balance, uh, with um the face of bow and all that that, oh, yeah. that marble yeah. room i mean that got used in loads it's in let's kill hitler and, and it was in oh it's been in lots of them. I and you kept every time i saw that room i was thinking oh they're using that room again mm-hmm. you know yeah. so it's it's good it's good that they've moved and found a different place and new yeah. locations and they've been filming abroad i think as well so yes yeah, it just makes me very very excited yes to, to see uh to see series 11 there is one thing though that i'm not very excited about and this could be considered very minor spoiler but there is a shot of the doctor wearing a bum bag uh (laughs) in one of the filming pics oh yeah yeah Mm, you're not
0: you're not a fan of the old fanny
1: pack i'm not (laughs) no i'm not a fan of the fanny pack um i don't know it just looked a bit silly i don't know maybe there's a i'm just hoping that's part of a story and not a, a regular thing because uh, no, I'm not sure I like the idea of the Doctor pulling out a Sonic out of a fanny pack. I'm not sure, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't know, mate. Bow
0: ties were made cool. Now True. bum bags could be made cool again.
1: Again. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, I don't
0: know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and pass judgment on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll hold off on that one. You yeah. Must. But yeah, yeah. it's just nice nice to see. <clears throat> Nothing too spoilery in those filming pics. It was just nice to hmm. give us a little buzz for series 11. So yes. yeah.
0: And just lastly, I like that the, they've gone back to the standard, I say standard, the, um, the, the, the normal windows, you know, because some of them have had, some of them have been frosted. Some of them have been blue, you know, they've alternated the design. of yeah, the Yeah. Yeah. So now they've just gone back to the standard. Everything's just plain. It's a good, bit more of a minimal look. I like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, I didn't think I liked that, but I do now I've seen the actual thing. So I, I liked the fact, I remember when Moffitt changed the windows to the sort of you know being a bit different, and mm-hmm. I liked that, but they they seem sort of inconsistent somehow. Sometimes they look dark, sometimes they look frosted, and I can never work out what's going on. Um, yeah, I think it's it looks good like this. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh. So nothing else from us really. It's been fairly no? quiet. Uh, shall we land it? Talking to the TARDIS. Shall we land it and do some news? Yes. So the only bit of news we have on the radar today, Mm. full-time author Tommy Dombevand uh, went through quite a serious illness recently where he had cancer essentially. Um, And although he went on to um, uh, to get rid of that and, you know, was cancer-free, what then happened was something else shifted and he ended up with a tumour on his lung, which is very unfortunate. Uh, And at the time when he was going through his cancer – uh, a bunch of people created this really cool book called Target for Tommy, which is, as the name suggests, it's a book that was released in the old Target style cover and so on, and which was a collection of um, uh, short stories to raise money for him to aid in his recovery and so on. So this second one is the same concept where, because it sort of stopped his ability to go out and, and do school visits and extra stuff on top of his writing, it's sort of limited his income, obviously, and the support for his family. So the second one now, which is called A Second Target for Tommy, um, is another collection of uh, short stories. But what makes this book particularly cool is that Stephen Moffat, the old mothball, mm-hmm. has contributed um, something amazing um, into the book. And that is the, um, the, the early scripts that he wrote for The Day of the Doctor, which mm-hmm. were actually going to feature Chris Eccleston, which were as we all know, came to nothing. Um, he's actually given them um, to this project so that they're going to be in the book. So we'll actually get to see um, and read, sorry, the the, the concepts behind uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant's Doctor, how they would have met up with the Ninth Doctor and their interactions mm. and so on. Now, uh, this, I would never have guessed that The Moth would have released these scripts, because when we asked him questions, and when people asked him questions at the showing of the Day of the Doctor, uh, he was very. I asked him a question about the Ninth Doctor, and somebody else did as well, and he was very. Oh, you know, it's uh, it, the story would have been very similar. You know, there wasn't much change, mm. and you know, Chris is fine. You know, the, you know, he, he. It felt like he was very much just yeah, whatever. You know, the Ninth Doctor wasn't in it. Get over it. You know, it, kind it, of brushed it, it off. Is. didn't Yeah, he. yeah. yeah. Um, so it's really, really cool that. Um, uh, that he's, uh, you know, just released this script to be published as a as sort of an independent book because it's nothing to do with the BBC or anything. So, uh, a, a bit of a pat on the back for the moth, I'd say, on this one.
1: Absolutely, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so you can pick up the book um, if you head over. We'll put a link in the show notes. But if you head over to um, obversebooks.co.uk, um, you can find it there. It's in paperback at the moment, and it's fifteen pounds. And, uh, it's not like with some things where a percentage goes to a charity and so on. Every single penny in sales from the book will go towards, um, Tommy's recovery and helping him, you know, get through this second illness that he's, he's developed. So, uh, yeah, good cause.
1: It's a, it's a really, like you said, it's a really good, good thing that It's funny cause we said at the time, didn't we, when, when we were at the thing with the moth, wouldn't it be great to see that script like his original, because he said he'd sort of wrote, you know, a third of it or something. And we both were saying, God, I'd love to see that, to see how it would have been. Um, I'm surprised the Moff didn't mention this. <laughs> when you <laughs> asked him, he could have given the book a little plug, couldn't he? Could have been, well, if you yeah. want to see that script, you want to go and buy this book. <laughs> yeah. Unless one of his teams, like, <laughs> You know, someone's phoned the press office. Have you got anything you could include? I know, have this old script that's in the bin. <laughs> Stephen's left the building, <laughs> you know. But no, that that is really cool. Yeah, it's and very cool. well worth getting, isn't it? I think. For yeah.
0: That. So. Um, and Tommy himself um, is a full time author and uh, he's he's wrote loads and loads of very cool um, children's books. Um, there's a, a popular series called Scream Street, um, which he's, he's Wrote quite a few books for that. Um, but he was the author of one of the Matt Smith novels, uh, The Shroud of Sorrow. All oh, right, cool. Um, so that's his link to Doctor Who, obviously. Um, but yeah, so we'll put a link in the show notes um, if that's the sort of thing you enjoy. It's worth it um, for those abandoned scripts alone. So uh, mm. yeah, go and pick that up. It's a good cause. Yes. And that's all the news. I suppose we should get our Dalek friend in. Oh, I
1: suppose so. What's he got? Is there not much on his tray this morning by looks? So yeah, get him in. Let's have a look, see what he's got. Merch Corner. Merch Corner. Merch Corner.
0: I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty.
1: It's very pretty. Hmm. What's that on the end of his sucker? <laughs> <laughs> let me just (laughs) what's that glinting away (laughs) um
0: let me just have a look ah (laughs) has anyone out there got a loved one
1: (laughs) (laughs) appropriate for the day we're recording valentine's day yes has anyone
0: got any uh, future betrothed or a future long-term partner that they wish to bestow upon some beautiful tardis jewelry well, you're in luck because <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the fine jewelers over at Bradford Exchange have released a very fetching, very striking looking ladies' TARDIS ring mm. and it's, uh, it's uh, completely, light. it's officially licensed, there's no uh, tomfoolery here, uh, it's sterling silver with 18 karat gold uh, plating and topaz stones exclusive to the bradford exchange and uh it will set you back approximately 120 english pounds Wowzers! well if she's worth it then (laughs) the money's not a problem is
1: it if you want it then you better put up on it it.
0: (laughs) yeah so this looks um i'm always very dubious about Sci-fi jewelry, jewelry, jewelry franchise yeah. jewelry. Yeah. I think it's a better way to say it. That's mm. not me being. I, I don't know. I just find it, it. Even some of the stuff
1: that is obviously <laughs> well made. Because well, I don't know why th- the cuckoo clock just. It's not jewelry, <laughs> but that cuckoo clock just sort of like Oh, the Tardis weird thing. <laughs> yeah, the, the weird TARDIS <laughs> cuckoo clock. Um, yeah, very strange. Not not jewelry, but yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, dubious,
1: I, dubious somehow dubious. brought that into my mind yeah
0: yeah I just find it very strange and I thought about this when I was in the He shop a couple of weekends ago because perusing the, the glass cabinet in there I noticed they've got that nice um, uh, the blue TARDIS wristwatch, watch the men's watch which goes for about 200 pounds I think
1: yeah but I, I know, still
0: yeah. yeah but I still wouldn't I, I don't know I, it's one of those things in my personal opinion where even if this ring was like you know you know, 5,000 pounds or whatever, diamonds, whatever. To me, it would still look like it's not that amount of money because it's mm. a franchise based bit of jewelry. It always looks like it's just a fan made bit of jewelry for Etsy or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. However, yeah. I'm sure that there are
0: plenty of, uh, Dr. Who fans who would completely disagree with that and would love to buy their, their fair lady, a, a nice TARDIS ring. So, um, if that's your cup of tea, uh, head over to bradford.co.uk and you'll be able to see it on there. There's also um, a bunch of listings on Amazon, um, which is very, very, very uh, odd because Bradford um, say that it's exclusive only to them, uh, but then you can pick it up on their Amazon store as well. So, yes. Um and I think they've got all the different sizes on Amazon, which they don't have on the Bradford site. Strangely, mm. um, but is there, there guess Yeah, is there? Is there? I was going to say
1: they're um, they're specifically labelling this as a ladies' TARDIS ring. Um, that's not us putting words in their mouth. That's what it says on the website. So, is there a man? Is there a male ring as well? Is there a matching? Can you get a set, or is um, it just at the
0: moment? It doesn't or... really say anything that. Yeah, oh. you know, well, well, with that. It says a lady's ring, but I it does, yeah. Guessing that's just a guide rather than a an instruction. Um, so, any male um, Doctor Who jewelry wearing fans out there, crack on!
1: Yeah, um, I was going to say, as as jewelry goes, I will say it's not it. It the design is is not that bad. I, I mean it it like you said i uh, it can very often come across as tacky can't it sometimes yeah, a little bit this isn't that bad it's kind of like the tardis and then either side of it you've got the um gallifreyan symbols sort of uh holding up the tardis in the middle if you like and then two bands gold and silver it's all right isn't it i, I can imagine some people might quite like this
0: yeah it's okay and then so the yeah. two circles on either side the gallifreyan symbols In in the middle is the tardis with the topaz stones and Yeah. Inside the band, it says true companion. That's engraved on the Mm. inside of the band. So it's, don't get me wrong, it's very, very lovey-dovey and cute. So, you know, and I know know a few um, uh, couples who who would love this, you know, a couple of people that we know who are, you know, massive, massive sci-fi geeky people Mm -hmm. who are absolutely into this stuff. So, you know, they would absolutely love it, but
1: and it comes in a big case by looks so I'm just looking at the box actually looks like it comes in like a massive box with a I don't know if that's a certificate or a booklet or something because uh, is it like you said it's officially licensed so it looks like they've sort of gone to town with the packaging a little bit um yeah so am just thinking though yeah imagine getting down on one knee and having that massive box and you think <laughs> oh what's in there a nice big necklace or the this is just a huge box with a tiny tardis ring in it but no it does it does look uh presentation and stuff's quite nice them, yeah. so. it does have a touch yeah. of
0: the alan partridges about it yeah. Yes, it, excuse it, me it, darling Yes, I, just, I was going to go and propose to you but before I do so if you wouldn't right. mind checking the certificate of authenticity just to make sure that I haven't skimped on it
1: <laughs> but yeah it's, yeah.
0: Uh, it's an interesting um, an interesting thing very very nice very It'll nice be, yeah very nice yes mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, rightio no more news and merch no it's time to go back to the dark ages yeah well say the dark ages is it that far back I don't know. <laughs> witches. Um, witches and, and stuff. Doo-doo and yeah. bits. What are we doing this week, Adam, for our review.
1: <laughs> Can only be the Shakespeare Code. <laughs> the Globe Theatre. Soon, at the hour of woven words, we shall rise again. And this fleeting earth will perish. Mr. Shakespeare, isn't it? No autographs. Love's Labour's one will never be played. So many strange events. Witchcraft. Upon this night, the work is done. No! The entire future of the human race. It
0: ends right now in 1599 if we don't stop it. boom That's quite good. They come. They come!
1: Ooh. Ooh, witches!
0: burn thee burn thee foul knave (laughs) oh you know who's needed in this
1: oh he would have been great in this wouldn't he just Michael Robbins yeah what was his character called oh
0: crikey they've missed a trick there they've yeah
1: should have got him back actually he might have passed before but I don't know anyway that's (laughs) true
0: yeah didn't think that through
1: which is uh, the
0: Shakespeare Code
1: Mm. uh
0: was thrust upon our screens on the 7th of April 2007. Gosh. It was written by Gareth Roberts and directed by Charles Palmer. It stars the TARDIS team of the Tenth Doctor and Martha Jones. Uh, at this point in time, the Doctor is very humpy and depressingly hiney-winey over rosy wosey yeah. And so Martha is not quite filling the gap at the moment. So he's kind of promised her a one time trip and then he's going to drop her back. And on this one time, supposedly one time trip, uh, they go back to Shakespeare time. Um, and she's all excited and they get to the Globe Theatre, which is all shiny and new. And it turns out that Shakespeare is actually a bit of an idiot. Uh, mm-hmm. he, well, he's a, an intelligent idiot, if that makes sense. Uh, there are no um, air and graces about him. All this very, you know, all the history that's been written about Shakespeare goes out the window immediately when he opens his mouth on the stage. And it turns out he's a bit of a rogue, a bit of a lad, bit of a uh, bit of a chatter-upper, if you like. Um, but the only reason that he's putting these plays out um, is because these uh, aliens called the Carrier Knights, I believe, Mm -hmm. Um, who come across Mm -hmm. as sort of medieval witches um, are sort of using him as a tool uh, so that he can write down these um, sort of mystic phrases and words to open up a portal to bring their kind back and, and take over the earth. And uh, the doctor and Martha sort of their nice little back in time, little stroll around Shakespeare land gets disrupted as they try and defeat said carrier and, stop history from being changed and the earth being overrun by cackling witches. Mm. The Shakespeare code series Shakespeare. three shenanigans. What'd you reckon, mate?
1: Yeah. Um, right. So just backtracking slightly. When this first aired, um, I remember watching this and it, this story did nothing for me back then, back in 2007. I, I just found it quite dull and right. it, as I said, it sort of finished. And I thought, you know, as I said, just I remember feeling nothing for it. Like didn't dislike it, didn't like it. It's just real meh of a story. Um, so I haven't watched this one a great deal since then. Um, I may have watched it once more at some point, I think. I'm sure I probably watched it again when I bought the DVD set. But that would have been ages ago. So, yeah, I bunged it on last night, not really expecting to feel much for it at all. Um, but I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, I didn't love it, but I definitely enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. It it, it had a um, more heart to it than I remembered, and right. the I did really quite like the chemistry between uh, the Doctor and Martha. I thought they sparred off each other quite well in this, so that helped carry the story. So while not great, um, my appreciation of the story has gone up slightly. Well, it's gone up definitely from from when I first watched this back in two thousand seven. So yeah, it's not brilliant, I don't think, but uh but it was very watchable and um yeah it wasn't too bad. I, I would say it's a a decent watch, I thought, having rewatched it. What do you reckon? Okay.
0: Um yes, I'm um I I think this one it is interesting from my point of view because I, I do think it's a fairly decent watch. Mm. I, you know, it's a it's quite an enjoyable watch, um, and I do quite like it for the for the most part. Yeah, um, my only sort of thing with it is that sometimes I feel like it can't quite decide what it wants to be mm. uh, for me because um, I, I think this could be it could have been a belter of a story um, to fit in with a, a very very good series. Actually, series three was. Very, very good. I like series three, mm. yeah. and I, This could have been one of, the, one of the best stories if it had gone down a certain path and stuck to it. And what, mm. I, what I mean by that is, for me personally, I'd, I would have liked to have seen this being more of a, a scarier story and really play on the witchcraft element and the, and the witches and stuff and make them a bit more scarier. Mm. Um, because a lot of the times, it tries, it, it tries to do a lot of humour in pretty much every scene. Yeah, with the exception of of the couple of the um the witches scenes and the death scenes, um, you know, with the exception of those, it, it's very. Uh, I think they try to do a very witty, quick, humorous kind of episode, and sort of inject these little little pockets of, of witchy stuff in between. But I would have, I would have liked to have seen more of the witchcrafty stuff, uh, and try to be a bit more scary along those lines. But other than that. I think it's okay, yeah. I think it's a good watch. I wouldn't say it's up there with, you know, classic, you know, modern classics and so on, but, yeah, it's, it's okay.
1: It is, it's funny, isn't it? Because is, I think you're right. I think it could have been. It could have been. But for some reason, it doesn't quite hit the mark. Mm. Um, and watching it last night, I was trying to figure out why. Um, I almost wish, actually, I'd given it, um, you know, I almost wish I'd watched it more over the years. Because normally, if we review an episode, I've seen it a good you know, three or four times mm-hmm. before I rewatch it for the podcast. I always watch a story before we record, even if I think I know the story, you know, mm-hmm. word for word, I always rewatch them. Um, but for this one, because I haven't watched it very much, I, it did feel a little bit like watching it cold again. Um, And I just get thinking that there's some really good stuff in here Um, and it looks really good as well. I mean, there's a lot of CGI in it and although it looks dated, I think it really suits the story, actually. It's almost sort of of, almost animated um, in places, the CGI, but I think it looks quite nice. Um, May not look realistic, but I think it looks nice. Does that make sense? It it sort of suits the, the style of the story. But yeah, it just never quite hits the mark. And um, if I was to try and work out why, I think, A, you're quite right. I think tonally, it's a little bit all over the place. And I think the witches, yeah, I think it might be that the witches let it down because they're quite pantomime. They're, if I was to say to you, you know, how how does a witch act? It does a cackling laugh and it's got a really <laughs> crazy face all the time. And they, to me, they don't look very good. To me, the masks look really rubbery and... I don't know. They're just not very convincing. Um, (laughs) I actually think they're scarier when they're... Well, actually, it's only really one, isn't it? Um, Lilith. Lilith. I think she's actually better when she's in human form because she's really good in it, I think. She plays that evil part quite well, especially when she's knocking out one of the Doctor's hearts. Mm. So she's quite good in it, and she brings a sense of, you know, threat. Whereas I don't think the witches really do for me. When they're sort of cackling on screen and laughing, I just felt they let the story down slightly. And like you said, they could have well played on the witchcraft because the death scene that they do near the beginning with the guy choking on the water is really quite nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's you know, and again, I was thinking this is quite horrible, um, quite dark. Uh, so yeah, they could have played up more to that and brought a more sense of danger into it, I think. So maybe that's what's missing. I really can't put my finger on it, but I think it's just that sort of sense of... Uh, maybe not the threat, but the, you know, the overall tone of it just seems a little bit all over the place. Um, yeah. And it doesn't reach the great heights that it, it seems to sort of almost be clawing the walls to get to. Like you said, production's great. You've got this, the Shakespeare element to it, which I think is really good, actually. Um, you know, he's kind of the rock and roll Shakespeare. Nothing like, you know, he's sort of, uh, people we've been led to believe he's like, there's a great line in it when the doctor says, don't keep rubbing your head, you'll go bold or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, to, You know, referring to the fact that All images of Shakespeare—he's got a beard and a bold head and all that. So there's there's some lovely moments like that. I think the Shakespeare part works well, but Mm. yeah, I don't know, something's missing, and I'm not sure what it is, but it just doesn't reach the heights of greatness that I think it it really could have done. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's almost there. I think it's it's got uh, you know it's got some nice moments. It's almost there. Mm.
0: No, I totally agree. I think Lilith, as the when she's just in when she's turned into a human form, is is quite scary. She's good. There's yeah, I like her. a couple of really creepy scenes where uh, she appears at Shakespeare's window mm. when he's writing the play Loves Labour's, loves Labour's One overnight and um, she, uh, she sort of knocks him out and then he's like a human puppet. She gets him to write – you know, she's really creepy. Um, mm. But the thing – I think you're right because because they're meant to be – you know, the humans view them as witches – they, they. I think they went down the typical Halloweeny style. It's yeah. Because there's a bit where when she's killed, I think she's like the the lady who runs the the pub or the inn. You know Shakespeare's a bit on the side. Mm. <laughs> you know when Lilith kills her, and then she grabs the broomstick and she's out the window. Yeah, and she flies past the moon and she's got that big cackly laugh, like you said. Those are the elements that, and I completely understand why they did that because. You know, it. you can only make Doctor Who, you know, scary to a point. You know, you can't make it too frightening because mm. then you sort of alienate the younger audience because parents are like, mm, you can't really watch it. You, you don't want to get into a, a situation where parents are saying, well, you can't watch that one, it's too scary. But you can watch these ones, they're okay. You know, you don't want that. So you can, you can completely understand why, but it just felt a bit Halloween gimmicky type of, yeah. Um. So those bits aside, I mean, it's kind of it's, it's a bit like when you say something's missing. It's it's almost like you you're look you're looking for, you know, another shock factor. Because you know the mm. scene near the beginning where the the guy who um uh, who runs the the playwright stuff, I think you know he's having a good old go at Shakespeare, and he's like, you know, it's not going to happen until I've seen it, and so on. Yeah. And then Lilith does that thing where she drowns the. little puppet and then he, you know, it's quite horrific to to see. Mm. So that was a bit of a shock factor. But after that point, there wasn't really much else that gave you that shock factor because when she killed the the, the innkeeper lady, you don't see it. You just see her lying on the floor looking completely normal Mm. afterwards, you know. So there's nothing else after that because that's what I was looking for. I remember when I first watched it, I was sort of waiting right up until the end. I thought, you know, are they going to is it going to be a big sort of witchy, you know, witchcrafty battle monster scene? And, you know, I don't want to turn it into a bit of a Hollywood, you know, uh, hocus pocus kind of thing, but you know, yeah. um, you know, that, I was just, I was looking for something a bit more after that scene. Cause I thought that was going to set the tone for the episode, but then mm. it was just quite lighthearted and funny after that point. And the only other scary ish bit I found was when they went to see the architect of the globe he's in the madhouse, isn't
1: he? Oh yeah, that was good. Appropriately yeah. called
0: Bedlam. <laughs> and, uh, um, or Bethlehem. Is that where she kills yeah. him
1: with her finger or something? Yeah. 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 yeah so that, that was quite a good scene actually. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause the guy that was playing it, he looked, you know, properly messed up and you know, he looked. I know, recognize
1: him. Is that, is that, that guy at a peep show? I can't think of his name. <laughs> Um I because I, I kept thinking all the way through I know him and it's uh it's, it's unusual to see him in such a small supporting role, but um but again he was really good in it. And that is a good scene because obviously they're they're kind of trapped in there with that witch. And again, like you said, it brought it brought a bit of tension to the episode which was sort of missing up until that point, didn't it? Yes. Um yeah. uh, but and then I do like the way the doctor banishes her as well with the words. I thought that's quite cool. Uh, especially when Martha tries to do it later on the same thing and it doesn't work <laughs>
0: fail
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah epic fail yeah uh,
0: yeah so i think it's yeah it's lacking just one final ingredient mm i would say
1: maybe a rewrite you know perhaps like that last rewrite or something just to sort of you know um smooth off a few edges or yeah. something cuz as i said when it ended actually this time um I, that that bit with the Queen Elizabeth coming at the end and chase I thought, that's really funny. <laughs> and I'd completely forgotten that, you know, that, that was yeah. a really nice way to end the episode. It's a good way of sort of hurrying them off to the next adventure and tying everything up, you know, very nicely. So that was cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, it's it, it just sort of drift. It's a drifting episode. It's one you mm-hmm. can put on quite happily watch. It's kind of harmless, isn't it? But it just, it's not one you'd say, oh, series three, make sure you watch the shapes you go. That's a really good one. It doesn't hit those levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably should have done, because where, where, where was this in series three? Episode two, is it? The second one, yeah. So it was after yeah, Smith right, and Jones. Martha's, yeah. yeah, Martha's going off on her, well, the Doctor says, doesn't he, one and only mm-hmm. adventure Um you know, this is, uh, and obviously we know that she goes on for a whole series. So, yeah, uh, a lot of people don't like, because, you know, to, as we're talking about Martha and her one and only adventure, it's clear that the Doctor doesn't want a companion um, mm-hmm. after Rose. He's still still sort of dealing with, with the whole losing Rose situation. Um, and you can understand that in terms of him saying to Martha, this is the only trip you're having because I'm not having a companion, Well, that's okay. But I and I think a lot of other people don't like the the bit where they're on the bed and Martha's clearly sort of getting oh, yeah. into the doctor and he's like, oh, Rose would know what to do. Mm. And I agree because I even from the first time I watched this, I remember thinking, oh, that's that's, that's harsh because that just makes Martha seem worthless. And uh, she's so not. I mean, I know she goes on to prove it later in the series, but it is one of those moments in the episode where I think to myself oh, that I like that bit you know it's as if like rose is the be all and end all it reminds me of a, a little bit of the clara situation right oh right. my clara this sort of fall, falling around over one companion um as if they're the be all and end all uh when the doctors had some f- magnificent companions over the years that you know didn't even get mentioned like sarah jane uh you know apparently he never spoke about her but mm. somehow rose and and um Clara have made this massive impact on it, but it's 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 more of a modern series thing but you know what I'm saying it's yeah, a bit of yeah. a, you know why why is Rose so much better than Martha because in my opinion she's not and I think by the end of it the doctor sees that but it is one of those moments isn't it and a lot of people pick up on it they're like you know the doctor's still moping around over Rose let's, let's get over it mm-hmm. let's let's get into series three and move on from all that
0: yeah yeah it, uh, and it's also in this is probably a wider discussion but it does also play into that thing with the modern series that it does yeah um where they've sort of made the doctor this kind of this kind of emotional attachment to the companion that we didn't have mm. in the classic series really where the doctors very much seen as boyfriend material as yeah. opposed to the doctor you know and uh and we had a lot of it with rose an awful lot of that You know, she was always, you know, pining after him and, you know. And then when Martha came along, that potentially a fresh start. You know, it's a a bit like, I mean, we had it with Donna. You know, Donna didn't tolerate any of that. I love that. You know, at all. But it it was just another companion straight after the last one that, you know, immediately fancied him. and, And at the Doctor's, he's a little bit... You can't really blame Martha in a way, you know, because if you think back to Smith and Jones... When she first sees him and he's lying there, well, not when she very first sees him, because there's a bit of a timey-wimey bit at the beginning where he mm. bumps into her, but when she sees him in the hospital, he shoots her a little wink, you know, and then... Yeah, yeah, a
1: little cheeky wink. Yeah, yeah. and then
0: he plants a big kiss on her in that episode as well. Yeah. So you can't really blame her, really. She probably thinks, oh, this guy's, you know, he's clearly into me. I'm um, so also, Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and he's taking her away to show all these amazing, you know, in a time machine. And exactly. You can't help but think, oh, they must, you know, they must like me. I, I, yeah, I don't blame Martha at all. I just feel sorry for her when he, when he says that. Um, I again, I yeah, this whole thing of the Doctor companion thing. I I much prefer it in the classic series when he's just alien to it all, and um, you know, there's. I always think that the the, the best sort of doctor companion relationship was sort of really done sort of in the, like they did it in the Pertwee era where he was like a very, um, protective. Mm -hmm. He was like the grandfather figure to sort of Joe Grant. I love that because you can see the affection those two had. Um, and I always think the Doctor and Joe were great as, a, you know, Doctor and a companion. So I, that's the sort of thing I, I would prefer it to be, rather than this sort of almost love interest of, all oh, what goes on in the TARDIS when the cameras aren't rolling sort of thing. I don't like that. I, yeah, I prefer it when the yeah. Doctor's a bit more alien grandfather figure. And you're right, it's it's more of a new series thing, isn't it? I think Where so. They, they've yeah. gone down that road. Because I think they felt... I think Russell felt, and to a point he may have been right, but I think Russell felt to a modern audience, they, we needed that sort of love interest, almost slightly soap opera-ish thing, uh, you know, when the series come back. But I think by series three, we, we, you know, we could have moved on from that. Mm-hmm. And Martha could have been that strong companion that the Doctor looked after, rather than That's kept true. knocking back and this whole love story thing again. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: yeah, I know what you mean, though. Especially when I think back to, you remember the Green Death, Mm, oh, yeah. You know, when Joe...
1: Leaves at the end. Yeah.
0: And the yeah. He, back in that, you know, he was... You, you're absolutely right. He, he had this kind of protective view. Mm. And uh, when she went off and... Whereas in the modern series, they, like they've done with Tennant and Rose, Tennant and Rose, Tennant and, and Billy Piper, you know, it's almost, they almost were sort of boyfriend and girlfriend for, for a while. That's what it felt mm. like. And then we had Martha obviously pining after the Doctor as well, immediately. Hmm. Um, And then we had it again with Amy. Do you remember Amy when she was first with the Doctor? She was all over him, you know. Yeah. uh, So I think the only sort of companions we haven't had like that is Clara and Donna, I suppose.
1: Well, Clara, she was a bit towards the eleven a Doctor, little bit. wasn't she yeah yeah it's bad, only when but... it changes to 12 um that <clears throat> that goes out the window oh, poor yes. Al yeah. but, um, <laughs> but no that's why that's why i think series four is so fresh because donna's the absolute yeah. opposite she's like you're not mating with me mate that sort of stuff you yes. know it's brilliant um and it, it's kind of it needed to happen because if by series four you'd had another companion and fawning after the Doctor, it really would start to get um, annoying. I don't mind it so much with Martha because I really like Martha as a companion and I think she naturally probably, like you just said, would feel she probably would fall for the Doctor to be fair to her after all the stuff they've gone through. But the, the other reason I don't mind it so much with Martha is because I love the bit at the end when she leaves and she's she sort of finally realized the doctor's not not interested yeah, and she yeah. gives that great speech about uh, you know my friend tell me get out well you know while you can and all that sort of don't waste your time and i like that speech so that's the only reason i don't mind martha fancying mm-hmm. the doctors because i like that bit at the end and then right. she finally realizes but with yeah with uh rose it, it just got a bit too much i thought all the crying and hands on the wall and oh no it was just all a bit much
0: <laughs> it was a little bit wasn't it yeah yeah so yeah. i agree though i think martha's a good a good companion and she's mm. she often gets sort of pushed to the background really yeah you know whenever you're talking to who fans about the modern series you know hardly, martha hardly ever gets a mention because it's always rose or clara like you said or probably no, probably Donna after that and so yeah she kind of sort of gets not forgotten but she she rarely gets a look in you know especially in you know, if you did a poll of like you know you know polls are pointless but if you did a poll of like who fans top five companions I'd, she probably wouldn't feature that high in the majority but I think she's a good she's a good companion I really like Martha
1: I do, I mm. do. Yeah, I was going to say, I think she. I think you're absolutely right. A, a lot of people, and it always amazes me when people say they don't like her. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of, uh, there is a, a part of fandom that think, you know, she, and I think a lot of it is because of the fact that she does like the Doctor. I think it's not necessarily her character, but a lot of people don't like the fact that she's another companion that fancies the Doctor. Um, mm. But no, I, I really like her. In fact, she is probably, from the new series, for want of a better word, um she's probably my second favorite companion uh, donna's my first and then probably martha then rose uh who have i missed amy and clara amy and clara kind of joint last mm. <laughs> yeah but yeah she's I, I really rate her i think she's probably my second favorite i, yeah. like
0: her. I think in, for the most part she is she is good she does provide a little bit of pushback to the doctor Mm. You know, she's not complete. She she wasn't like Rose where she was just, you know, flirting all over the place all the time and blinking her, you know, flashing the eyelashes and, and all that. She wasn't like that the whole time. There were times where she did kind of put her foot down and, you know, and got on with it, which is good. Um, the only the only thing I would say about Freema is that there are times where I think, oh, you know, the acting chops are not quite... Because <laughs> when, when she's next to somebody like David Tennant, Hmm. Who's one of the best actors that we've, you know, we've seen. You know, I think he's established himself as one of the best actors, you know, from the UK. I would say hmm. in in current times. You know, when she when she's next to somebody like that, who's, you know, I, I don't want to go overboard, but you know, is pretty much faultless with his acting ability, and you know, he's he's sort of sort of wielded his craft, so to speak you know, especially with the character acting, like, his, like the Doctor, you know. It's, and when she, there are certain scenes where, you know, her, the way she delivers certain lines or the way she is, it just feels a little bit like she's fresh out of acting school. That's what it feels like. Mm. So although she, her acting chops sometimes are not quite there to match somebody like David Tennant and so on, I think that she gives. you know, I think she gave it, you know, a, a, a really good shot for the series that she was involved with it.
1: Yeah, I guess I I I think she probably was quite new at drama school, wasn't she? I don't think she'd done a lot before this. I'm not too sure. Um, Yeah, sometimes it feels like that. I must admit, I think she's, in terms of her acting, I think a lot of the time she's quite good. Um, I think she really hits her mark uh, later on in the series when we get to the uh, two-parter of, what's it called? Um, The the one with the the, uh, school... Family of Bloods, yes, yep. yeah, that two part I, I think she's great in that, um, mm. and I think she's really good at the, you know, towards the end, as I said, the, the series final of th- series three. So she, she, for me, I, I don't, yeah, I can totally see what you're saying. There are moments. I think when she tries to do the the death by word <laughs> scene, in this, she's a little bit, um, you know, the, the acting isn't great. But but I think overall, she's pretty consistent. I, I do like her overall. Um, yeah. Overall. Yeah. 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 And uh, she's also. Um,
0: I think she only had sort of smaller parts before Doctor Who. I think she had just like one episode here and there, or a couple of episodes. And
1: and I think series, she's so. better. I think she's better when it's just her because the stories where she's with her family, I find they sort of drag her down a bit because I don't think the the actors who played you know Martha's family in this were particularly great. Yes. Uh, yep. So I always think she's sort of stronger. Like I said in that two part of family and blood human nature, isn't it? The other part, That's I right. think, um, I think she's great in stories like that, but I think, yeah, sometimes the one, you know, when she's her family start getting involved. And, yeah. Although her sister actually is, is not bad. Mm. Uh, it's quite good. in it, if I remember rightly, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah. I think she is, um, she's, she got really good reviews in an American TV series that she was in. I think it just literally got canceled. What was it called? Um, Oh. Uh, Sensate. Right, yeah. She got really, really good reviews for that. Hmm. So I'm yet to see that. But um, she's in a few episodes of Torchwood,
1: actually. And she's she's not too bad in Torchwood. And wasn't she supposed to... I, I don't know how true this is, but I remember Russell... Apparently Russell was quite annoyed because she was supposed to be... Full time in Torchwood after this, wasn't she She's
0: supposed to be? Yeah, in
1: whatever series that would have been, mm-hmm. and then she dropped out quite late in the production mm-hmm. stage. Um, I, again, I can't, this is a long time ago, I read this story, so I, you know, take what I'm saying with a pinch of salt because I, I don't know the facts or or behind it, but I do remember reading that that you know, she dropped out, she couldn't decide if she wanted to do or not. Um, I think he'd written quite a lot of the scripts with her in, uh, for whatever series of torture that would have been. And then she dropped out to do something else. I think it was Law and Order or something. And he was apparently quite annoyed about it because um, mm, yeah. it was quite late in the stages. But, you know, uh, maybe she just kind of thought, ah, if I do torture, I'm still associated with Doctor Who and I made a bit of a name for myself. Maybe I'll try and do something else. I don't know. And, yeah, I mean, she's obviously gone on to do good things. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: it would have been interesting to see her tortured. You do get that vibe as well. You know, when the Doctor goes back to see everyone and her and it's her and mickey isn't it are That's out right. fighting mm-hmm. with great big guns and you do get that vibe that she might have gone on to be in torchwood uh, i think it would have been quite cool actually she yeah. sort of popped up in that
0: well she was in it wasn't she for a for a few she, episodes
1: yeah she does pop up in it yeah
0: she's not like the main cast but when she is in it you can tell that she's sort of let her shoulders are a bit lower <laughs> If <Did> that <laughs> makes any sense you know she's not as um uh she's a, it doesn't look like she's trying too hard she's a bit more natural in torchwood i found so great companion old martha martha
1: jones martha jones, martha jones. i think her and her and because obviously it's early days for them mm. one thing i did enjoy about this watching it again was they do seem to work well together they do like the humor mm. the banter the you know the chemistry between them i think is pretty good from from the off actually um mm. Yeah, because she's really excited to be going on this this adventure with him. And he's loving showing her and being the, you know, the big I am. And I, I just thought they worked very well together, um, considering, like I said, this is only the second story together. Uh, I don't know where it came in production, but yeah, I thought they worked well together in this. Mm-hmm.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the other um, sort of main cast member, I suppose, which was William Shakespeare himself. Mm. Uh, by Dean Lennox Kelly, what do you reckon to him? Because I think he really nailed the 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 kind of Shakespeare that they were after it, it 's interesting when Doctor Who does these kind of historicals hmm. because they sometimes they try and be quite accurate with it if we think to uh, Vincent and the doctor yeah, they try to portray him as very you know spot on according to history and so on. And you would imagine because the casting was bang on for Vincent and the doctor. You know, you would imagine that, you know, based on their research and so on, that that's what Van Gogh would have been like. Whereas this one is a complete the, the other end of the spectrum. It's like, you know, forget everything that you might have you've read about Shakespeare and what you thought he might have been like. You know, he's a complete opposite of what you think he's like. And uh, and I think that Dean Lennox Kelly really just Maybe the director just said, "Look, please just forget about old England Shakespeare. You're not like that at all. You're mm. a you're a typical lad. You know, you're a you're a witty talker. You're a you know bit of a ladies' man. Just play it up. You know, just be this sort of suave kind of charming. You know, bit of a lad. So, in a way, I really like that they did that because it kind of comes back to what I said earlier about it, you know it it." pushes everything towards that more humorous side of things because mm. he is pretty funny in most of the scenes that he's in yeah, um, and he plays it really well and I think that although I would have liked to have seen the episode draw that stuff back in a bit and go more towards the scary side, if we are talking about this from more of a humorous point of view, he definitely contributes to a lot of that
1: yeah, no, I'd agree. I, th- I think it's a brave move on their part as well because, like you said, they're very much going against type um, mm. with with how they've characterised Shakespeare in this. Uh, I think Dean Lennon's Kelly does a great job, actually. I, I, I think he's one of the highlights of the episode. I, he's really good when he's sparring off with uh, the Doctor as well. Him and Tennant work brilliantly together in this. I think, uh, you know, little scenes like at the end where the Doctor gives him the rough to wear around his neck and all the little sort of lines that the doctor throws at him that are actually his lines anyway. All of that stuff's fantastic. Um yeah, but it was a brave move because I think I remember at the time um before this episode aired they were talking about making Shakespeare like they were going to make him a bit more rock and roll yes. than people might yeah. expect. And I remember thinking what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. that that could have been a disaster. Um <laughs> if they hadn't got the right person, I think it because it's, you know, it's n- not really anything like if you see pictures of Shakespeare. He's nothing really like this. But I think it was a brave movie and I think it's one they, they pull off and I think it works really well. Um, and I think a lot of that's da- down to, to the actor. Um, I where do I, I know him from like Shameless and stuff like that. I've seen him in things like that before. Uh, he's a good actor, Dean Lennox Kelly. He is, very um, good. But yeah, no, I think it works really well. Uh, I, I, you know, this sort of rock and roll Shakespeare and, and I think at the time as well, um, hopefully it may have sort of made you know, younger viewers sort of think, is this Shakespeare? You know, it might have just sort of pushed Shakespeare into the subconscious of of oh. a younger audience as well, because obviously Doctor Who is pretty much at its peak uh, when this aired. So, yeah, yeah you know, I like yeah. it when Doctor Who does that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, you know, like you said, like Vincent van Gogh and, and um, uh, Charles Dickens and all that. So I like it when they do bring in, you know real life characters like that that perhaps younger audience might not have mm. heard of or had any interest in that might then go and have a look and say, "Oh, okay, that's what he did," and you know so that's that's cool, but yeah i, I really like him in this. I think he's a really good performance
0: yeah, he kind of makes the episode what it is really, because without mm. without a strong actor to sort of give off that because he I would imagine as an actor landing that role, you kind of have to have a little bit of you know zero beeps given you know yeah. about how you're perceived mm. you know you just have to just crack on and just really try and be sort of super confident and and just really make you know get the audience to look at you you know the whole time and i think he does that he d- he really does that quite well
1: he seems very relaxed in the part doesn't he I feel he d- like he a does. guest actor he seems to have just completely settled into the role from right from the get-go yeah no yeah. He's, he's yeah he's really good in it bit and, of
0: trivia his brother yeah? who is also an actor craig kelly was the voice of Joe in the animated series Scream of the Shelka." Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, blimey! You know, going
1: back a bit, I was going to yeah. say
0: way back when they did those little mini animated e. shorts. That's right. Yeah, on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, he was. Um, I, I I thought he did a great um uh, performance from start to finish as well, from the first scene that we see Shakespeare. You know, when he sort of comes, You know, when Martha kicks off the newly. Uh, the new thing at the theatre where they shout author which they apparently didn't do before Um, (laughs) and then he comes out and then I think his first line is you know shut your bloody mouths or Mm -hmm. something like that it's like immediately sort of hits you in the face it's like whoa that's not that's not Shakespeare surely
1: even the doctor's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's really funny. That bit when the doctor's he's got that real sort of frown, like, oh no,
1: he's really bigged him up and there and he's like, oh, yeah, and Martha,
0: Martha's like, never meet your heroes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so
0: yeah, and it right at the beginning as well, right at the end when he's saying goodbye to, to Martha and the doctor just before Queen uh, Victoria turns up. That's why Queen Elizabeth the first turns up. Um, Even then, he's just really confident. You know, he's all you know. He's trying to get Martha out on a date, and yeah, he's great in this. I really like him.
1: Yeah, no, he is very good. As I said, he works well with Tennant as well, doesn't he? Like because the the respect between those two really shifts throughout the story, doesn't it? They yes. sort of start off yeah. a bit like the doctor's in awe of him, but the more he gets to know him, he's like, Oh god, he's a bit of a bit of a womanizing idiot, actually, not what I imagined. And yeah. And Shakespeare's very um cautious of the doctor, but seems to have him all figured out. And then as they go on, they become sort of you know they have a sort of proper um, progression of their friendship, don't they, throughout yeah. the story? Which, which is again something I really liked. Uh, watching this again um, was just how their their sort of relationship changes throughout it. Because mm. by the end they're getting on really, really well, and and I love the fact that Shakespeare seems to have just figured the Martha and Doctor out straight away. Yes. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, it doesn't really make any sense, but I, I like that because he's just like, he, he seems to know the doctor instantly, doesn't he? He knows exactly what he's about. And, you know, and Martha, what does he say? Something about you're from, oh, I think it's the doctor actually says you're from Freem. The planet oh. Freemogon, or so. Oh, I wonder if it was a play on her name, but
0: oh, yeah, free something, yeah, yeah. 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 The doctor says it, this I, one, yeah, Freedonia, or something like that.
1: Freedonia, yeah. yeah, it's probably not actually, but yeah, but I just like the fact that Shakespeare just doesn't seem to be having any of it, and he seems to He's like, No, you're not, you're you know, you're, 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 you've traveled and you've done this, and mm-hmm. I just thought that was really nice. He,
0: yeah. he clocks that quite quickly, about halfway through <laughs> the episode, isn't it? And mm. uh, that's that is quite cool that they've they've sort of labelled certain key figures throughout history as these really um sort of intellectual genius figures. Mm. And it's kind of like a like a, a, a good match for the doctor because the doctor's obviously a genius in his own right. And it's it's really cool that they the way they first explain it where he shows him the psychic paper and Shakespeare's Oh, like, yes. I like that. Oh, it's blank. Yeah. And then Martha's like, No, I can see it. it's like head of whatever. And um the doctor's like yes you know he sort of con- you know confirms to himself that you know he is a genius and you know he's not going to get past him with this stuff
1: i loved that bit actually i'm glad you mentioned that because it's yeah it's just a real small little moment but mm. it's just the fact it's like, well, it's just a blank piece of paper uh, and the doctor's just like what he can see it yeah that's really nice little touch that
0: really good touch yeah mm. and yeah and and shakespeare sort of has them figured out quite early on as i said he's uh He's like, at the end, I think he does actually say it, doesn't he? He's like, you're time travellers. and mm. So yeah, it's good. A, a good addition to the story. And it's clever writing as well from, from Gareth Roberts, because there are moments throughout the story where Shakespeare starts throwing in these sort of lines that turn up in his stories later on. Mm. And the Doctor sort of steers him away from certain things and encourages mm. him to do other things. So it's almost like the Doctor's shaping the stories that's finally mm. come out that, you know, because some of these plays are very early on in Shakespeare's career, obviously. Um, so when he's having conversations with Martha, because there are a few times where the doctor's like, no, 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 don't do that. You know, he's mm. got that kind of laid back, like no, cautionary kind of, no, don't, don't just don't do that. And, um, and at other times he's like, you should write that down. So he yeah. kind of like gives him these little hints, doesn't he? At certain things yeah. to keep and other things that he should throw out. So in a way, it's kind of like, you know, years and years later when Shakespeare does actually write these very famous stories, it's almost like the doctors had an input into that. You know, it's the doctor that's, that shaped those almost. So very, I, I, very clever writing.
1: Yeah, I do want to say I love that because it, it could have felt clunky and it doesn't. I, I love the fact they get so many great Shakespeare quotes in this episode without it feeling really forced because it doesn't at all. I think it's just because, like you said, the way it's written, the way the Doctor does it in a humorous way, um, I, it works really well. I thought mm. like they're in there, all the you know, some great quotes in there, but it doesn't feel like tick. You know, there's another one tick. It just it does feel quite natural in the script because of the way it's written in. Yep. Yeah, so I like that, and I like the fact that this play, Love Labors One. Mm-hmm. um, is a, it apparently is a genuine thing which I didn't know. It, it was a or it's, it's supposed to be, isn't it? It's written in folklore that yeah, there was yeah. a there was actually supposed to be uh, a lost
0: the sequel, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, a lost play of yeah called Love's Labours Once. So that's quite interesting. I like that. It throws in a bit of realism into the story as well, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah, it's, it's good, good stuff. It's a good
0: part of the story. Yeah. Um what did you think to the witches then? So we've spoken about Lilith a little bit. Um what did you think to the other two witches then? I'm going to say that uh, Doomfinger and Blood No. Yeah. Yeah, that is their name, isn't it? Doomfinger, yeah, Doomfinger and-, and Bloodtide. Bloodtide, yeah. Um yeah. Not too They're bad. Right. I just found them I think you mentioned earlier they were a little bit pantomime. Yeah.
1: It- I think they do, they've obviously been told to do that I just feel like they've been they're they're doing exactly what they've been told to be like cackling witches. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose yeah. there's only so many ways you can be a witch, but yeah, they <laughs> are a bit. For me, they're a little bit too OTT. Um, you right, know. right. Uh,
0: yeah. So I, I'd imagine if there was such a thing as a sort of a Halloween pantomime, <laughs> mm. they would fit perfectly into that. Oh yeah. That category. Yeah. You know, they're very um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's just the way that you know Charles Palmer, the director, has just said, look. We we can't be scaring Littlands too much here, so we're going to go down the sort of Halloweeny road a little bit. So I want lots of cackling, I want lots of pointed fingers and broomsticks, and mm. you know, just going mad with it. But
1: so the voodoo thing could have been played up on because voodoo is something that that freaks me out, like the voodoo doll, and, and you know mm. that the, when they're doing all that, I find that quite creepy. So, like you said, they could have played more up to that. Do you agree with me about the makeup though? Looks, I, I, even when this first aired, I remember thinking that the sort of masks and teeth didn't look particularly good and they I, I think if anything they look worse now but i remember seeing like the clip in the trailer for this series you know mm-hmm. when they show like the coming next series or whatever the forthcoming trailer i remember thinking in that clip god blimey that witch looked rubbish right um, right. you know but my other heart, you know my partner didn't agree i said oh the witches look rubbish and <laughs> he thought they looked all right but so maybe it's just me I just thought they looked very rubbery and you can sort of see they've got the false teeth in and I don't know. And also because the shot of them is so close up as mm. well, you know, when they do the cackle, it's very, I, I just thought it didn't look particularly good.
0: No, I I, I agree somewhat. Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. uh, when you've got like full face um, prosthetics and so on, it's, it's uh, even though this wasn't filmed in high def, you can still pick out the the little, you know and, and the makeup doesn't quite go down to their neckline in some shots as well yeah, you can it see it down the back bit, of their neck and I yeah. know what you mean yeah it does looked look a,
1: a bit Halloween-y like yeah
0: yeah again it goes back to that sort of rubbery mask that you can buy in Sainsbury's for Halloween yeah exactly
1: yeah <laughs> but they're okay
0: yeah. Though. I mean I don't mind the because they're really they're just sort of backup aren't they for for Lilith's character
1: true true um, but yeah. there
0: is one scene where I'm not sure which one of them it is but she she appears inside the, the prison cell mm. In the uh, in, in Bethlehem, so that looks really that was quite creepy because everyone yeah. in the cell sort of jumps back with fright almost and mm. she has her little moment, but other than that, they just sort of cackle cackle around the mm. cauldron that typically as witches do I suppose, but yeah, but they're okay, and the end scene's quite cool as well when the guys in the play say the actual script that they wrote down that they got Shakespeare to write in the script, and then mm. we see the portal open up with those. CG kind of other witches, I assume carrier I
1: think that's what they're meant to be. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, that scene was quite good. That was quite a good build up, mm-hmm. and they're sort of going mental, you know, cause the doctors turned up and, and it's all very shouty and screamy and climaxes into this big sort of collapse of the portal. So that was quite good. They were good in that scene. I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, th- there is a lot of CGI in this uh, episode as well, isn't there? What did you think to the CGI in it? Cause it is pretty heavy on CGI in terms of the map paintings of the the actual locations and right, stuff right. cuz I, I i was watching this with my partner and i said oh we've we've been there um to that place and he's like what i said no honestly we have i said you just can't see it cuz they've put so much CGI over it i think it's in warwick um i remember being quite excited cuz we ended up there quite randomly and i was like oh this is where they filmed the shakespeare code it's like an old uh, well part of it i mean they filmed it yeah. all over the place to be fair but you know like the the um, what do you call it? The, the beige coloured building with all the wooden beams. That bit is the yeah. bit I'm referring to. Right, so that's right. a real place, mm-hmm. and obviously they've put so much CG over it that really it could be a set, but um, <laughs> it is actually a real place. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. quite CG laden, isn't it? There's loads of match shots of like the, the globe itself, mm-hmm. um, the streets. There's London at night. You know the witches, like you said at the end. Um, I think um, Phil Collinson said you know it's quite a, a costly. Episode to make because of all the CGI, mm-hmm. um, and like I said earlier, I just wondered how you felt about it. Because while it looked quite dated to me, I thought it looked dated in a good way. If that makes sense, I think it really suited the style of the episode. I thought it looked quite nice, almost like a painting rather than bad CGI. If that right, makes sense, but right. yeah. but what did what did you sort of think?
0: Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too because in some episodes, even in series four, actually scratch that, even in series nine <laughs> you know there are certain episodes oh with, no with, with with terrible cg oh, I work i
1: always think of that tardis on the snow cliff oh <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah
0: even right up to series nine you know we've seen some you know not sound sort of cg work yeah time budget whatever it, you know reason you want to call it but um in this one i didn't think it was too bad actually for its time yeah because you can tell that they knew up front that there was going to have to be a, a little bit of CG work going on. So they probably just said, look, you know, here's the budget, just, you know, go and do your thing. Mm. We already know there's going to be a lot of CG. So but like you said, it was a costly thing to do. It's interesting because I found that almost the still shots to be not as good as the the fast paced moving stuff. Mm. So the, the portal at the end of all the carrier nights looked pretty good to me. I thought that looked really yeah. well. But when they first step out of the TARDIS at night and they see, they run around the corner and they see the Globe Theatre off in the distance, that was okay. Wasn't too bad, but um, maybe it was the scale or something. Just didn't seem quite spot on, but it was okay. But I thought mm. that the, the fast moving, more sort of action-packed CG stuff looked better than, you know, the still shots that they tried to flesh out and make it look like London or the globe and so on, but mm. overall, it stands up fairly well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think I, I suppose actually, I think you may have just hit the nail on the head. Bringing back that awful memory of the some of these um, <laughs> CGI in Series Nine. I think what it is is when I look at this episode, I can see that they've really made an effort like so there's you know let's take the night shot of london see it's all cgi it's a cgi yeah. shot of the globe from from the night going across a bridge or something isn't it yeah so it's a beautiful yeah. shot um but yeah it looks dated but you there's so there's a lot of detail in it you can tell that they've really tried and like i said it to me it looks almost like a work of art it looks like a painting almost although it doesn't look particularly real so then you compare that to the cgi shot of the tardis on the uh God. icicle shelf on in um whatever the last episode was uh oh series nine where she's throwing the keys in the thing i don't know she gives the doctor a call and there's this shot of the tardis oh yeah yeah yeah. on the and it's surrounded by icicles or something and it just looks horrendous i mean it's on screen for seconds but you can tell that they've put absolutely zero effort into it and you know so maybe that's what i mean at least in this one it may not look realistic but it does look nice you know it looks like they've they've actually put the work in
0: was that hell bent
1: yeah could one be one of them Hellbent yeah it's where so, it's yeah. when danny gets run over i think if oh. i'm remembering rightly because i never watched series nine i think it's where she gives the doctor a call and there's this shot of the tardis and it's like <laughs> i think it's supposed to be on an ice planet and it oh it just looks horrific but anyway yes yeah it's one of that lot i don't know it's one of that lot yeah it's when it's when, it's when poor old danny gets mowed down in the street if i'm remembering right, oh, right. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: it's almost as bad as the inside the vault. In time heist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, less oh so I'm having palpitations just thinking of series eight and nine. Porker
0: powdy. He got dealt a bit of a duff hand in some respects, didn't he? He did. Uh he did. but
1: yes, anyway. Uh CG not too bad. Yeah, pretty decent, I thought, in this. Not too
0: bad at all. Um music wise, it <clears throat> is interesting because I felt that the music was a little bit too uh suited and normal for this. If that makes sense that there wasn't any mm-hmm. one scene where I thought crikey Murray gold's firing on all cylinders here. It all just seems to melt into the, into the scenes perfectly. It was like very low key. Yes,
1: but yeah, it, it does because actually, do you know, I can't even remember the music in it. Exactly. And that yeah. could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing because you're right. There's nothing stand out in this because I can't even remember the music in it. Um, but <laughs> yeah. that can be a good thing because sometimes it sticks out for the wrong reasons. So if it was just there underlying the action, then maybe that's a good thing. But yeah, I can't. I couldn't even comment on the music. I can't remember it at all. And I only watched this last night, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Yeah, yeah nothing bad, but nothing stand out. Nothing good, <laughs> or, or maybe just good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Direction was nice. Who did the direction? Yeah, Charles, Charles Palmer.
0: Palmer. Yeah. Charles Palmer. Um, Has he
1: done any other Who's? Because I, I mean, again, it was yeah, it was, it was decent. Um, he's done a few. He's done loads. Oh, he's done a few. He did Smith and Jones. Oh, he did. He did Human Nature, Family, the Blood. Yeah. Oh gosh, he did Eaters of Light and Oxygen. Yeah. Oh dear, poor guy. Um, yeah, but at least he done. Yeah, <laughs> Human Nature, Family, the Blood, beautifully directed. So yeah, yeah, good job by Charles Palmer.
0: Yeah, not too bad. Um, what did you think, to just quickly, um, to the Harry Potter references? Because there were a couple in this, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, no, you see, again, I liked it because um, I think they would have gone completely over my head in 2007 because I didn't get into Harry Potter till very late. I'm still not a massive fan, um, but I I will I have now watched them all, whereas I, I kind of avoided Harry Potter for a while because it was like everybody was watching it and I was just like, oh no. <laughs> so it, it, it would have gone completely over my head when this first aired. But um, now that I know what they... Mean, uh, I thought they were quite good fun in this. Actually,
0: yeah, yeah, there was a few as well, which is unusual for Doctor Who to mm. throw in that many. So, well, we have the direct. Well, they're very direct references as well. They're not very, like yeah. you know, you have to be a, a very in-depth Harry Potter fan to get it. Because Martha actually says, "Oh, it's it's all a bit Harry Potter, isn't it?" Mm. And then the final word that they get Shakespeare to yell at the at the the witches at the end is "Expelliarmus," which is a yeah a spell from Harry Potter so it's all very yeah. direct um, which may have something to do with David Tennant being in one of the Harry Potter films possibly Could but B Bart-
1: doesn't he he does actually thank JK and this is where he goes thank you JK 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 old JK yeah JK, yeah, mm, yeah it probably was a little in joke maybe
0: yeah because he was Barty Crouch Jr
1: mm. But, but yeah, I like yeah. yeah. I was going to say I, this time round. Now I understand them. I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I did like the end bit particularly. I thought that was quite cool. Expelliarmus. Ex-be- uh, yeah, expelliarmus. Yeah. I can't. yeah. Uh,
0: right. <laughs> anything, mm-hmm. you, anything you want? Anything you want to mention, mate? Before we.
1: Well, I know we. I know down. when we get to the doctor, we we don't we often don't talk about it much because we say that you know they're either really good or really bad. Um. Once again, I have to say. Uh, my appreciation for Tennant just goes up another notch in this. And mm. for people saying, Oh God, you know, another Tennant lover and stuff. The reason I say that is because David Tennant is not one of my favorite doctors. I really like him. I think he's a great actor. Um, and I do love him as the doctor, but he's not like my favorite doctor by any means. But the more we re- rewatch him, <laughs> the more I just fall in love with him as the doctor. Mm-hmm. And the more I see um, things in him that I didn't see watching it back in 2007, whatever. I just thought he was brilliant in this. Um, and again, I, I may sound a bit like surprised, but that's because when I watched this back in 2007, as I said, it did nothing for me. He didn't stand out. He's, you know, mm. he seemed quite human probably cause he's moping after Rose watching this yesterday. <laughs> he's really, really on fire again. Um, yeah. and he's, you know, uh, as I said, the stuff between him and Shakespeare is brilliant. The humor and stuff's really good chemistry with the companion. Really, really good. Apart from that one scene about Rose, you know, and when he's getting, getting cross and he's trying to figure it all out, I just was thinking, man, he is such a good doctor. Mm-hmm. He really is. And I, uh, you know, I so glad that we're rewatching, rewatching these stories of the podcast because it just, I now see why people love David Tennant as the doctor. The more I watch him, the more we review him, I I totally get it. I mean, I always liked him, just never loved him, if you know what I mean. He never sort of had that impact. Like when Smith took over, to me, I was like, now this this is how the Doctor should be, a bit quirky, you know, can be happy, can be sad. You know, Matt Smith was incarnated what I would consider the Doctor to be, whereas Tennant never quite reached that um, at the time. But the more I rewatch rewatch him, the more I see what a great doctor he is. And he's superb in this. He really mm. is good in it. in in every scene, he's either funny, he's either, you know, um, rolling with the action, you know, he, he's just absolutely bang on point in this story. Um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because as I said, when we get to the doctor, we always sort of say, well, they're consistently good or bad or whatever, but he really is good in this. So I thought, Yeah,
0: he's good. And especially for me, Series 3 and 4 and the Series 4 specials, he's absolutely – because he's don't get me wrong, he's he's good in Series 2. He is very good. But I think in Series 3, that was when he really just took the show. You know, he Mm. really pushed the show to another level. Because I think, like you said, the ratings were at their highest around Series 3 and 4. So it's at this point where he's really – into the the flow of the character and, um, mm. you know, and he can switch it on as well. You know, he does that really funny. Then he switches to quite sort of melancholy and, you know, sad. And then he's angry. He mm. does the shouty very well. And it's he just, I don't know, he's just seamless, you know, from scene to scene and consistent as well.
1: I was going to say, you'll probably find the more we review Tennant, the more I'll, I'll say it. But it's, it's just that I've always liked him as the Doctor, mm. but I've never fell in love with him. He, he would never be like, you know, someone said to me, since the show came back in 2005, who's your favourite Doctor? He would never be at the top, I'm afraid. He'd probably be second or, you know, I, I, I think Chris, for example, and Matt were, were brilliant as Doctors. Tennant just, I liked him, but he never clicked hundred yeah, yeah. percent as the doctor to me. But it just seems that the more I watch him, the more I just absolutely love him. And I almost <laughs> wish actually that he was playing the doctor now that he's just that little bit older and a little bit more experienced an actor, Because I see him in other things. And, you know, every time I watch Broadchurch, I see this slightly more haggard David Tennant, you know, he's sort of aged a little bit. And I always, I just keep thinking if he come back now, I think we'd, I think he'd be phenomenal. As the doctor, and I I think he was back then, but I think he'd have just that little bit more age gravitas to him
0: Uh, now. I'd love to
1: see him come back, and I think the same about Matt Smith actually. I love Matt as the doctor, but I always think you know, he was so young when he took over. Imagine him being the doctor now, it'd be be fantastic. But yeah, I I just thought he was great in it though. I I just couldn't help but notice how good he was Mm. in every scene really funny at times, uh, and good when he needed to be serious, yeah,
0: yeah. I think one of the key elements for Tennant is that he really brings that darkness out, Mm. but not in an in your face kind of way. So, David Tennant's got this knack of playing bad people, bad guys, really well. Mm. So, when he kind of, I'm not saying that he plays a bad guy in this, but, you know, the character of the Doctor does have that kind of darker element to him at times that that, that we've seen. And it's in his face. You know, he's one of those actors a bit like, um, bit like Troughton a bit like um Matt Smith, I guess, in a way, but they there are certain actors where you know a lot of their acting is done in their face, you mm. know they don't have to be saying a line to you know so you get what they're what they're saying if that makes sense, and uh David Tennant is so good when he has that sort of serious face on him, and you think, you know is he gonna you know is he gonna kill someone
1: is he gonna kick off, <laughs> is he yeah. gonna go, yeah.
0: And Tennant's brilliant at that. Because everyone knows Tennant as, you know, a good character. But I'll tell you what, if you've ever seen David Tennant play a bad guy, it's bloody frightening.
1: Oh, yeah. If you've ever seen the um, ITV drama Secret Smile, uh, which is going back a few years. Yes. Yeah, not a nice guy in that. Yeah,
0: there's there's a new film coming out with David Tennant called Bad Samaritan. Mm. And uh, if you're a fan of, of David Tennant as the Doctor... That will shatter your image <laughs> of David Tennant. He plays a mean, horrible. Yeah, just if you go and go and watch the trailer after this, called Bad Samaritan. Mm. So it's, it's his new film that's out soon. Mm. And crikey, yeah. So he he's just such a versatile actor. He's
1: just brilliant, mm. like you said. He's c- very good. He certainly seems very comfortable um, in this story. Like you said, maybe he just found his feet um, totally by this point mm. uh, by series three. Yeah.
0: Anything else you want to mention? The Shakespeare no, code?
1: No. no, I think I've covered it, yeah.
0: Right. Oh, it's me to go first, I think. It is. Yes, yeah. it is. And I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10.
1: Oh, Right. <laughs> hmm. I wrote 7 after watching it, but I went down to a 6.5. Okay. I'm really torn between the two. It, I don't know. doesn't quite feel I'm going to No, I wrote seven. Uh, you've gone seven. I'll go seven.
0: You're going seven.
1: I'm going seven. It doesn't. I think it really should. If we were going really thing, I'd go like 6.8. You know, like some of our <laughs> listeners, they go really specific. Sure. It's not, it's not bad enough to be a 6.5, but to me, it doesn't quite feel like it should be a seven either. It's really just not quite making it, but it was a, it was a fun watch. So seven.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's not yeah. because when, whenever I mention a six in a score, that makes me feel like oh we too low. Yeah, we're yeah. retreating towards the middle ground of five, and it's not really because mm. it is an enjoyable.
1: Fairly, it is an yeah. enjoyable watch. Yeah, yeah. Seven,
0: seven. And uh, to be honest with you, when I before I rewatched it last night, in my head I was thinking, oh that's a, that's a five or a six episode.
1: Mm, but, me too yeah but
0: when i rewatched it i i remembered how great the shakespeare character is and mm-hmm. how good you know Tennant is as we've just said and some other elements so yeah
1: no you're absolutely right mate i mean yeah dean kelly is shakespeare is brilliant it's, it's 6.5 is too too low it, it definitely yeah a seven
0: <laughs> yeah oh lastly i forgot i really like the ending because it, it's not oh, yeah. it's not one of those um uh, end on a conversation or, you know, it, it, it sort of continues the adventure. You see the Doctor and Martha sort of legging it towards the target, yeah. It gets struck by an arrow. And then you think, oh, you know, because it, it sort of ends sort of high calibre. Mm. Um, so that, you, you know, it's like an adventure. It sort of, sort of guides you into sort of putting the next one on. Because you think... Cause you what, think is the ne- what is um, the next
1: one? Oh, Gridlock.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So, yeah. But I just like the ending. I, I loved the ending yeah it's just the doctor's so happy to see angry old Queen Elizabeth and he's like what's up with her he's like oh yeah. I have no idea but I expect I'll find out <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd loved that bit yeah brilliant
0: well actually that's kind of answered in the day of the doctor isn't it oh yes of course yeah because yeah between those two.
1: Oh yeah I could, I, I, I must admit at the time, uh, last night, sorry, I didn't, I couldn't think what it was. I was thinking, is it torchwood or something? But no, that's, that's a whole other ball game, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. It's, um, so the moth tied up that loose end. Is that what we're saying?
0: Well, I, yeah, I would say so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. Kind of, it makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What did our lovely listeners think? Let's jump over to Twitter. Marcus Walker said, in my opinion, series three is pretty much perfect, but there was obviously going to be a dud. And that is oh, the Oh, no. yeah. This is that dud, he says. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, Christians in my soup says not a bad story. Uh, has a great sarcastic line from the doctor. Oh, 57 academics just punched the air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Martha is over the top when she steps from the TARDIS as the doctor, as the doctor's exacerbation shows, but she soon settles and the yeah. two of them make a great double act. Uh, 7.5. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, Nathan, silent nerd, C137, says, a very underrated story, in my opinion. The Carrionites are a great villain, especially when paired with Shakespeare. Love the feel of the episode and the ending speech fits perfectly. Uh, also, the cameo by uh, Queen Elizabeth I now makes sense after the day of the Doctor. Yes, yeah. Uh, he gives it
1: 8.5. Mm, okay.
0: Uh, TARDIS Files HQ says, I try to like this story, but I don't. Uh, David and Freema are great, uh, give great performances, but I feel the story drags on in the middle, and is all just about building up to a scene in the Globe Theatre where the witches launch an attack. "Quote unquote," uh, boring but fun, I guess. Six point five. Okay, Mike Friendly, another extremely underrated Doctor Who story. Love everything about it. The Carrionites are cool villains, but I was terrified of them when I was younger. Uh, love tenant in this one as well just an underrated gem from the RTD era eight witch cackles out of ten <laughs> love it uh, the Gallifrey and Hoovian. Uh our friend Morgan Ooh. says I thought I'd enjoy this a lot more but I find the middle to be especially draggy and the story to be dull at times Shakespeare and Ten bounce off each other really well and I love the humour dotted around the episode uh, Martha and the supporting cast are brilliant 7.2 okay <laughs> uh, Sarah uh, running Hoovian. Says, uh, this one is interesting. I usually love the episodes that go back to historical legends. And I did enjoy the story uh, set and funny one-liners, but I struggle to believe in the Shakespeare character. I know that's crazy when the show is about a blue box flying through space. 6.5. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, What else did we have on Twitter? I think we had one more. Uh, Harry Brown says, The worst Doctor Who story ever made... What? Still good, though. (laughs) Six out of ten.
1: ten. (laughs) I'd be worried there, Harry.
0: Uh, uh, TardisNet66 says, "Uh, A great story. Fantastic performance from Tennant. Captures the atmosphere of the historical period of the Shakespeare period wonderfully. And it's excellent to see the interactions between the Doctor and Shakespeare. Love the Carrionites. Fitting villains for this story. And lastly on Twitter, the Primeval podcast. Uh, yes. uh, lovely moments in this episode such as a reference to good old jk a nice ending which now gets resolved in day of the doctor but was still funny at the time and it looks so realistic to that time period uh overall not the best episode of series three as i love the second half of that series much more but the story has a nice historical uh with a great cast six drashigs out of ten
1: Oh, bringing the drashigs into it
0: why did you have to do that <laughs>
1: They do it to annoy you. Don't rise to it. Primeval.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, let's jump over to Facebook, uh, where George Puddy says, a hidden gem of a who story. Mm -hmm. Uh, A brilliant blend of historical setting with a sci-fi threat. Direction really makes it feel like the Doctor and Martha are in Tudor, England. Speaking of the Doctor and Martha, they are both on form. The only thing that lets us down is the Doctor sulking about Rose. He uh, mm. gives it 8 out of 10. Oh, uh, good. Lewis Palmer, a wonderful nostalgic story from the first batch of stories I ever saw. In oh, fact, oh. I think this was something like the third or fourth one that I watched as a wee five-year-old. Blimey. Crikey, Lewis. Oh. Makes me feel old saying things know, like that. I and me. <laughs> uh, he says it scared the life out of me then, but also captured my imagination and made me want to learn more about Shakespeare, which is what you said, mate.
1: Oh, that's good, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Which is what Doctor Who is all about. (laughs) I still really like it now. Mm. It's fun seeing a new companion discover time travel properly, and it's what I call Comfort Who. 7.5. Cool. Cheers, Lewis. Uh, Lewis Blackmore. I always see this pop up on worst episode lists, and it feels like it's very undeserved. Mm. Uh, I genuinely believe this is to be one of the best in Series 3 and would argue that the historical aspect of this story in particular is fantastic. Uh, Dean Lennox Kelly gives a great performance of Shakespeare. However, I do feel the carrier are a bit pantomime, and mm. the forced references to Rose let it down slightly. Yeah, uh, But an 8 out of 10.
1: Okay, that's good.
0: Uh, Paul Villano says, always painful to see the Doctor still sulking over Rose, and the professional physician Martha longing for him. Uh, very different than she should have been written, but otherwise a fun romp.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I just like the word romp. romp.
0: Uh, Clay Crow says, This is one, this uh, this one is fun, but not one of the best. I enjoy the interaction between Shakespeare and the Doctor. And I also thought the Harry Potter references were entertaining. Um, I really like Martha in the episodes, and even a little presumptuous about her relationship with the Doctor. Six out of ten. Uh, Sammy Satine says, mm. Witches, Shakespeare, Elizabethan England, The Doctor and Martha. What's not to love? It's an excellent story. I particularly enjoy how the Carrionites use words to conquer. Uh, big Finish recently paired them with the Sixth Doctor, and that worked very well. Oh. Uh, Martha tends to get overlooked, and I think she's a great character and companion. Would have been better if she hadn't had the rebound story arc. Uh, she says it's a pure historical that's a lot of fun. A 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Sammy cool. bringing out the 10. Mm. Miles McKenzie says, love this story. David was on point in this and a great first adventure for Martha and her reaction to everything was probably one of my favourites in all of Who. A nice simple plot to follow and a fantastic historic episode. Uh, something Doctor Who has lacked in recent years. Hopefully Series 11 will bring back the historic ones. He uh, says overall, uh, 9 out of 10. Cool. Hi. Uh, last couple, Martin Arnold says, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Nah, it's not that good, but it's a decent watch. Poor old Martha, second fiddle to Rose. I like this season, actually, Um, and this is a comfortable watch by no means terrible. It's the Hey Miss New Companion, would you like to go back to medieval times bit? Standard fare, like I said, seven sonnets out of ten.
1: Mmm, nice.
0: And lastly, Lou Loopy Lou, Loopy Frog Lou. Says fantastic fun. I don't like the way the doctor treats Martha, but that just shows he's still in a bad place after losing Rose. I think he needs someone strong like Martha. Seven out of 10. Seven out of 10. Oh, cool. Another respectable score. Yes. Anything on the geek's hand baggage?
1: yeah and a couple Uh, so Kevin Mullen he says a below average story with some mildly amusing dialogue and terrible acting tenants in super smug mode and moping over Rose it looks nice but it's all style over substance says Kevin he gives it a 2 out of (gasps) 10 A two. he also replies to a comment from Paul which I can't see for some reason so I've got the reply but I haven't got Paul's comment he just says uh, exactly Paul (laughs) I don't know what Paul said Uh, maybe it was blocked by Facebook. I really don't like his writing whatsoever. It must have been saying about Gareth Roberts. Overly smug, trying to be Douglas Adams without the charm, wit or cleverness. I think he's referring to Gareth Roberts, but I don't know because I can't see Paul's comment. Um, Dean Jones, a solid, easygoing story, good humour. Tennant and Freeman work well together, although I really don't dislike the doctor's rose comment he says uh yeah like a lot of us it devalues martha as a companion the carrier knights might not be the greatest of villains but work well enough in the terms of the story and the production values are excellent dean lennox kelly is good fun as shakespeare dean gives it eight out of ten cool Patrick Wolsey says uh, Shakespeare Code is not bad. If you like mystery, mystery and Shakespeare and witches, uh, he likes the story, gives it 7.5. Charlie Turner says it's an average story with a humorous ending as far as he can remember. Um, and he really w- wishes the BBC would hurry up and release series 3 <laughs> and 4 on Steelbook. Yeah, I'm sure they're coming, Charlie. I hope so. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Charlie gives it 6.5 out of 10. Um Oh, I was going to say I'm finally, but uh, Patrick Sherwood's comment is posted twice. I think my Facebook's gone a bit mad because <laughs> <laughs> I seem to have got comments missing and some comments posted twice. But there we are. So, yeah, mine was a bit more mixed, wasn't it? Mm. Not so much liked and a bit average. Still good, though. Overall, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. A lot of um sevens and eights and nines. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's good. I was yeah. expecting lower scores, you know.
1: I was as well.
0: Mm. Yeah. but well, that's good, yeah. though. Good stuff.
1: And- and once again, uh, one of the great things about doing this podcast is I now like a story a lot more than I thought I did because I, I wouldn't, it's not one I would have put on, uh, mm. but I would, I'd watch it again now.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that when that happens
1: because mm. yeah, I have I that
0: do. quite a lot where I think, oh, Christ, we've got a review. <laughs> we've what got to review it? that next week, and especially if it's a classic four or six parter. Yeah. But then you stick it on, you're like, crikey, I haven't watched this in ages. I actually quite like it.
1: The Sun Makers was the, the biggest surprise. Remember when we did that? I thought I hated the oh, Sun yeah. and I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I suppose it depends what mood you're in. Indeed. Yeah. Next week, Classic Who? Oh, yeah. I love I love Classic. I really enjoy watching the classics at the minute. Um, oh, don't we all? Oh, don't we all? Yeah. I've, I've, I've closed my tab, but it's okay, because I can remember. It's the uh, fourth Doctor Story Image of out next week, isn't it?
0: Image... Of the Fendal.
1: Image of the Fendal, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: A bit of Fetchborough action. <laughs> <laughs> I always yeah. found that name really funny for some reason. The, the village that the Doctor and Leela land in, you know, the, it's called Fetchborough.
1: Is it? I just can't remember this. I remember it's got like people with painted eyes. Yes. Um, has yeah. this got a bit of witchcraft in it? Uh, uh, I-
0: a li- li- well... Possibly. I get
1: this confused with stones of blood I have oh, a feeling I, I have a right. feeling I don't know Yes, yeah, looking forward to giving this one a watch yeah it's
0: like experiments on fossils and yeah uh, you
1: vaguely know, remember
0: it yeah yeah which awakes something hmm uh, but yeah I, I think I saw this one a year or so ago I think the last time I watched this
1: one I probably haven't watched it since it came out on DVD, so that's probably going back a while. Oh,
0: crikey, yeah. that's 2009. Yeah, so I am like
1: a, oh, golly, is it? I think so. Yeah, I may, I may have watched it a couple of times since, but it's certainly not for a while. So, yes. Is it Leela? Is it The Fourth Doctor and Leela?
0: It is, yes. Must be, yeah.
1: yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah, So, looking forward to re-watching that one.
1: hmm A bit of Tom.
0: Yes, yeah, so get those oh, DVDs z- can't z- get deep enough <laughs> for Tom. So, oh. <laughs> get the old discs out. Give that a watch, because we'll be after you. Here <laughs> reviews as always, and I think we're going to do there for one seven six okay thank you thank you thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to episode one seven six. It's been awesome, as always. Chatting through Doctor Who, bringing you latest news and merch and all that jazz. And our review, which we love doing Mm. each week. Yeah. So next week, Image of the Fendale. Get those discs out. Give it a rewatch. I I was going to say then, I'll give it a watch on whatever streaming service you like to do. But I think the only way to watch this as a stream is if you're in the States or something like that. I think the streaming thing Brickbox oh right I think that has a bunch of Classic Who on it I could be wrong but Mm. yes I I, I might I might be wrong here but I remember years ago Classic Who was on Netflix that was right
1: wasn't it yes oh Classic Who
0: was on Netflix Classic Who on Netflix I don't know actually it would be awesome to get that back on Netflix
1: well now BBC Store's gone it seems to be yeah shows seem to be popping up in random places so it could be yes Mm. anywho
0: just get it watched any way you like yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, until uh next week why don't you head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of the episodes on there plus you can read all of the awesome articles that we put out each week as well which delves deeper into subjects around Doctor Who and other reviews about Big Finish and so on And you can also link off to all the podcast networks to give us a subscribe so you don't miss a show. And there's big buttons for iTunes. And if you're an iTunes listener and subscriber, if you could spare a minute for a review, that would be amazing. Because that really helps.
1: Hmm, It does.
0: Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Yes. The Geek's Handbag. Handbag. (laughs) Loads of awesome videos over on Adam's YouTube channel. Just do a search for that and give him a subscribe he will love you forever. Love He's you. also on forever Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and all sorts.
1: Everything. Every bloody
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, yo. One, seven, one, seven? One, one, seven seven. Next week. Next week. week. Yes, <laughs> we will see you for one seven seven next week. Until then,
1: my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, let's get it in time this week. Come on. <gasps> A- A-